The wound is the place where the light enters you. Be a warrior, Kenya. To you, I give the gift of your faults. This is your host, LB, and welcome to Whiskey and What I Missed. This is where I rewatch films and television series and discuss the things that I missed or appreciate more this time around, all with a good drink in my hand. On this here, the second episode, I have my very first guest host. She's a melanated black queen with natural hair who I'd consider to be a real-life Freddie Brooks. Now, for the uninitiated... Freddie Brooks is a character from the spinoff of the Cosby show called A Different World back in the 90s. Uh, It was a sitcom that was based on the campus of an HBCU called Hillman College. And on today's episode, we are drinking the end of a Yellowtail Yellowtail Pinot Grigio bottle. Anyway, uh, I want you all to meet my friend Chelsea. Hi, everybody. I'm so honored to be on the second episode as the first guest host. Thank you for the lovely introduction, LB. Um, I'm a UMich alumna who enjoys the occasional sci-fi movie. So just so the uh, listeners can get to know you a little bit more, I'm going to ask you a couple questions that are specifically TV and film related. Okay. Um, So when is the first time that you felt represented in TV or film? Probably around eight or nine, watching Sister, Sister, Tia and Tamara are my girls. Um, And then as I got a little bit older, seeing Raven on That's a Raven and True Jackson, she's the new MVP. I guess I grew up seeing these beautiful black women starring in their own TV shows my entire life, which I'm grateful for. Awesome. Yeah, I definitely had to agree with you. Um, I think out of those three the one that I watched the most was that's so Raven. And like my favorite thing from that show is, uh, her saying, you nasty. And, uh, also one of the greatest gifts on the planet, in my opinion. So next question, uh, what are some of your favorite TV shows and movies? And you can name like maybe one or two of each. For the nineties, it's definitely a different world. And currently it's the office. For movies, I would say two recent masterpieces, in my opinion, are Get Out and A Quiet Place. Great. Yeah, Get Out and Quiet Place are really dope. I'm uh, I'm super excited for Us, which comes out this, no, not this weekend, but next weekend. Yes. I'm super excited for that. Got to figure out when I'm going to see it. Um, and what's really cool about that is Us is actually sitting at 100% on Rotten Tomatoes right now. So the critics obviously love it. And uh, it's being called a masterpiece and a bunch of other words. And what's really cool is that Jordan Peele held a uh, early screening of the film for black journalists. And he called it Us First. I seen that. I was amazed honestly yeah yeah just so dope like that i when i posted about it on facebook and twitter i specifically said like that is the level of black space that i want to create like that's that's just so dope um so the film that we are specifically here to discuss is a wrinkle in time by director ava duvernay and um this particular movie made her 
the first black woman to direct a film with a budget of over a hundred million dollars. Um, and then the film also made over a hundred million at the domestic box office. Um, and she was one of six black directors. I think that did that, including, uh, Peter Ramsey and into the spider verse. And whenever I pick up my, uh, my pre-ordered copy of that i'm hoping to hop back on this mic so i can spit some shit about that i'm i I love absolutely love that movie but that's for another time uh so the reason we're talking about a wrinkle in time today is because um the one year anniversary of its release passed a few days ago so i've been planning to rewatch it and since i decided to start this podcast last week um i thought who better to discuss this particular film with than a black woman who appreciates sci-fi so here we are um and before we rewatch it uh i want you to tell our listeners about the first time you saw it and how you felt about it the first time i seen the movie i was at the theater with my family and i cannot lie i fell asleep for about half an hour and i missed the last 15 minutes as I was taking a phone call. So I'm excited to rewatch the entire movie as it was not my favorite sci-fi movie. Um, I loved the acting. Storm Reid was amazing. Her co-stars as well. And how do you not love Oprah, Mindy Kaling and Reese Witherspoon? Yeah. I just did not care for the action sequences. It felt forced. So I'm excited to watch the entire movie yeah and so like one thing i want to make clear is that like i wasn't necessarily in love with the film all around as well i think well let's put let's let let me back up a little bit and start in a different spot so like i loved what the movie stood for i love the message behind it i love the themes within it and i love what the movie did for black representation and sci-fi and people of color and sci-fi in general as well um and like i loved seeing the little black girls dressing up like meg on facebook and twitter and um instagram just all over the social meds and i just loved the whole kind of theme of girl empowerment i guess because i don't want to say woman empowerment because it was about a little girl you know um and like for example i think it's a film that when my niece my niece who just turned four yesterday um when she's old enough, I think it'd be a great movie for her to watch and like, just be kind of empowering for her and give her a really good positive visual of a black girl that looks like her, you know? Exactly. Um, and so that's why I like the film, but I think the film kind of got lost in all of that and all of its blackness. And like, I think that it was definitely lacking in some areas like the action sequences. And I think the pacing seemed to be a little bit too fast and I didn't feel the emotion I was supposed to at a certain scene. And mm-hmm. we'll get to that. But um, maybe I will this time, specifically because there's a new lens that I'm going to be watching it through. And that lens is something that I wanted to talk to you about, Chelsea, before we um, get going. And so I listened to the Funko Funcast, which is the podcast for a brand called Funko, who creates pop culture collectibles and apparel and accessories. One of the hosts of that show, she basically gave the idea about this particular movie of like you can do one of two things as an adult and it'll help you perceive it differently or have a positive experience while you're watching the film so you can go see it with a child as i did like your child right um if you have one and um which neither of us do (laughs) but anyways uh go see it with a child or you 
watch it and put your yourself in the mind of your younger self like kind of like your middle school early high school teenager um and just watch it through that lens so i'm excited to finally watch it for a second time and you know have an opportunity to celebrate the anniversary of a what was really a historic film um regardless of how it was perceived and i'm excited to watch it through that lens true i'm excited to watch the entire film <laughs> all right so we're going to get started and then what we'll do is we'll pause at certain scenes if there's something that we feel differently about during this viewing uh, or that that we notice or whatever the case may be and then we'll talk about that scene and then we'll just work through the, our way through the whole movie and then we'll come back at the end and wrap up how we feel about watching it the second time okie doke All right, so we literally just finished the opening scene, so we made it all of three minutes <laughs> before uh, we had something to talk about. And so the first time I watched the film, I think I was so focused on the the girl empowerment that I didn't put a lot of emphasis or appreciation on the also like the family aspect of this film, right? Like they literally start off this first scene. Um, and actually, hold on, before I get into what they start off with the first scene, like, let me lay the scene. The scene that I'm referring to is the one where it's the opening scene and you see really young Meg, main character, with her father, played by Chris Pine, uh, and then Gugu, I cannot remember her La last. Bathra? Yeah, something like that, yeah, um, is her mother. So, like, we see, well, we start off with just her and her father, and so they start off showing us the strong relationship between the two of them, and he's just kind of, like, showing her some of his uh, science equipment because the parents are scientists, and we'll, I'm sure we'll refer to that again later. Um, but he's showing her some of her science equipment. So what I appreciated more this time around was that they laid that foundation of family and fatherhood um, and also adoption. They they laid that foundation like right in the beginning of the movie. Woo, go adoption. Yeah. Um, and I thought that that was a really cool thing that they introduced it so flawlessly. Those particular themes and aspects of the film, and put an emphasis on it that way. Um, and what I also liked about that scene was that, like, she—it wasn't just that she was spending quality time with her father, mm -hmm. but he was sharing his profession with her, and specifically a, a profession of science. And uh, one of the areas that where we need more representation is in STEM. Agreed. And, um, and I think it was really cool to see, like, uh, a little black girl, like getting some experience with that at such a young age and from a uh, famous scientist who just so happens to also be her father. I can really relate. I remember being uh, watching all the science fairs when I was about seven or eight years old and just like getting this book from the library like I want to do this and end up making rock candy so I can really relate to this little Meg and starting her science experiments with her dad. Yeah, that's cool. And then you had a little yay adoption comment there when are you comfortable sharing why yes i am adopted i was adopted as an infant and i am very i was adopted specifically from the foster care system so i'm very pro adoption pro foster care cool all right so we will keep moving on to the next scene all right so we are now about eight minutes in uh we just finished the scene where the teachers were standing right behind charles wallace 
and they had no idea that he could hear everything they were saying and he was talking the teachers were talking shit about their family and like how the father had disappeared four years ago to the day some girls had teased Meg about the anniversary of their father disappearing and the teachers were making up this these stories about how um he pro something was probably wrong and he left because something was wrong going on in the relationship between the, their their parents basically and charles wallace did not take it he stood up and stood stood against the teachers and said something along the lines of like you know you can you think you're making yourself feel you're making yourself feel better by making up stories about people you don't know and um you think it makes your life better or something along those lines i can't remember exactly but um it was really cool to see a kid stand up like that I mean, he's been gone four years to the day. He's probably just pretending to be in outer space, but he's really hiding out in Tijuana. But it involves another woman, either that or a Martian. Seriously, though, something so horrible had to have happened to him. To leave his kids like that? And just after they adopted Charles Wallace, they seemed so happy. And Meg used to be so engaged, and now she is a mess. But the boy is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. But odd, so odd. Well, I guess I would be, too, if my dad ran away, huh? Shame on you for talking like that. Oh, my dear, I'm sorry. We, I'm not odd, you are, because you think making a mean stories about people makes you feel better about yourselves. Well, it doesn't, does it? Charles Wallace, we don't talk to teachers like that. And Meg might be a mess, but she has more potential in her pinky than you do in your whole body. Did you hear that, Meg? And then a stupid girl decided to tease Meg about um, her father's uh disappearance as well and she got she took a basketball to the face for that and i was so proud of meg in that moment the first time i saw it and even prouder the second time agreed uh, you know because i'm not saying i condone violence but some of these little kids need to be taught a lesson somehow one way or another and if it has to come to that maybe she'll learn her lesson right True. Uh, <laughs> So you said something after the Charles Wallace scene where he stood up, stood up to the teachers. Yes. When I first watched the movie, I thought Charles Wallace was annoying and a little unrealistic for a boy who's what, I mean, in elementary school. But my uh, lovely host <laughs> reminded me that life was not, for everyone, was not like mine in elementary. It was very calm and quiet and they're living such a different life with their father's disappearance and also throwing him being adopted so he is he has a little smart mouth but he is yeah and then no no worries if you come back to it let us know um and i think what was also cool is they laid the foundation of like how brilliant he is and that he's kind of like a little uh, little genius prodigy whatever word you choose yes um and then while you're potentially getting back to that thought um something else that i noticed and appreciated more this time was i remember knowing that james baldwin showed up in some photos in the background a couple times and I remember noticing that Maya Angelou comes up a couple times. Well, I think there's going to be a quote in a future scene here. But what I appreciated more this time was the second time James Baldwin appeared in a photo in the background. It's when Charles Wallace is sitting in the office and it's a photo right next to him. And Charles Wallace has his legs crossed exactly like James Baldwin. And like that's some really cool imagery to see this Filipino kid um, sitting there with his legs crossed like you know the gay black 
world famous writer James Baldwin is just really cool imagery to see in this film and uh, I didn't appreciate that particular part of it um, when I first saw the film of course I appreciated seeing James Baldwin that's one of my favorite uh, historical figures and writers specifically of all time so just a really cool thing to notice this time around I remember my thought I really appreciate his confidence I thought when I first seen it, it was unrealistic and annoying, but now when I watch it, he's just this confident, secure child who is going to stand up and take up for him and his sister. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, for sure. I love seeing like positive sibling relationships because I think siblings get this bad rap that they're always fighting and that's yes. not necessarily always the case. And it's great to see good representation of a healthy sibling relationship on screen. Agree. Cool. Mrs. What's it? Mrs. Who is? So we're letting the movie roll, but I just wanted to say that I appreciated that the principal was played by motherfucking Andre Holland, the, the living legend. That's all I got for that scene. <laughs> all right, so we just finished the scene where Mrs. What's It, which is played by with Reese Witherspoon, uh, Reese Witherspoon, right? Witherspoon. Witherspoon. Oh. Witherspoon. All right, Witherspoon. It's Reese Witherspoon. Um, where she showed up to their house and um, they had no idea who she was, but Charles Wallace happily opened the door and he's just like, I knew it was you. Come on in. You know, in his little cute voice. And uh, <laughs> what I didn't think about the first time around that I thought was really funny this time around is that the first one of the misses to show up, I mean, of course it couldn't have been Oprah, right? But like the first one of the misses to show up was the white lady, <laughs> like the one... <laughs> Who doesn't? Who is the white? The white woman is the first one that shows up um, on the door of this black woman's house, and like her kids are, and she's trying to protect her kids and like politely get this woman out. Um, also, I feel like in most scenarios, like a black woman would have been on her head with a knife or some shit. But you know, I appreciate they didn't use that stereotype yeah. of us yeah. getting angry and defensive yeah for sure because that's also not the case right like there are parents who are like um their mother whose name i'm draw i keep drawing a blank on i'm gonna have to get pull up imdb so i can actually use her name but played by gugu say her last name for me mabathra bow uh <laughs> yeah so i just i appreciated that the first one that they sent was a white lady and it was i found that to be quite hilarious all right, so we just met the second Mrs., which is played by Mindy Kalang. Um, she is Mrs. Who, um, and she speaks in quotes. Um, and actually also, so this is also right after Calvin showed up and said that he was kind of felt like felt his calling to show up to the spot. And he ends up with Meg and Charles Wallace um, and the three of them walk into this house. And Mrs. Who is sitting there with surrounded by books. And so what I didn't appreciate about this scene, the dialogue specifically um, with her speaking in quotes because she's elevated, evolved past language as Charles Wallace puts it, um, is the specific quote that she gave about Meg. Um, and she gave Meg the quote of, the wound is the place where the light enters you. And we know at this point in the film has been pretty established that Meg has this big wound uh, of her father disappearing and her not knowing where he is, if he's even still alive or, and if he'll ever come back. Um, and so I thought it was just like really dope that they tied that in and they talked about how 
much potential Meg has in that one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight word quote. They kind of hinted at that. So, Chelsea, I don't know if you have anything to add there. You took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> I'll take it. All right, so we just finished the scene uh, right before they test her for the first time. So uh, the last Mrs. is introduced, played by Oprah Winfrey, and she is Mrs. Witch. Um, and something that I appreciated about this the first time uh, was that, like, this was Oprah looking dope as fuck and showing up like 200 feet tall. Um, I thought that was just like an amazing entrance. And it's funny, I'm, I'm about 99% sure after the first time I watched this film, which I saw it in theaters by myself, um, I tweeted about that entrance and how dope it was to see her come in that way. Um, and just showed like that level of respect for that level of a human being um of oprah and so i really appreciated that and then chelsea had a couple thoughts that i want her to touch on as we were watching that scene uh number one yes eyebrows <laughs> they are everything oprah's was... makeup is everything <laughs> and something i thought was phenomenal phenomenal that she said was you have to find the right frequency and what was the second part it was uh find the right frequency and believe in who you are you just have to find the right frequency and have faith in who you are and i feel like that's literally definitely what i'm trying to do in this life it's find where i fit in or find my path and then be the best me that i can possibly be yeah and, like, uh, that's an amazing it, it just really resonated with me yeah yeah and the very the specific thing you said when she said that it, you were just like yeah that applies to real life and i thought that that was like a really cool uh kind of annotate annotation oh that's the right word but you know it's, we're gonna it's, go with it it's a word <laughs> <laughs> We are getting through the scene where Zach Galifianakis character, the happy medium, who is the seer, shows up. Um, and right before this scene, there was the part where they tessered again, which is basically them transporting across the universe. And um, we noticed it's like the second time that they test her that Megan's having a really hard time. She comes out of it kind of like feeling kind of groggy and like upset and confused i guess for that matter um and chelsea asked the question of why is she in so much pain and so and everybody else just fine yeah and so uh it was right after that when it was revealed by mrs witch aka oprah's character that she's having a hard time um because she goes into it not wanting to come out of it being as herself and meg kind of re responds to that like could i come out as somebody else um and then mrs witch had one of the probably the best quote in the whole film which is do you realize how many events choices that had to occur since the birth of the universe leading up to the making of you just exactly the way you are as it is it seems like you don't even want to return as yourself. Well, is there any way I could return as somebody else that I might like? Do you realize how many events and choices 
since the birth of the universe, leading to the making of you. Just exactly the way you are. Uh, just a really, really wonderful quote that um, I appreciated the first time, but the whole film is like hitting me a lot harder now that I'm able to think about it and analyze it through that lens of thinking of myself as a kid watching this film. And um, instead of coming in with the expectations of someone who's watches a lot of sci-fi and action films um, and having that lens on it as all of these emotional moments are hitting a lot harder. Agreed. Yeah. Um, I definitely felt the moment where she said, all of these events had to take place. It just really made me reflect on my own life and seeing how many things had to go right or wrong and whichever way you look at it to, for me to end up where I am now. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a bar right there. So there's also the scene where Reese Witherspoon's character, Miss What's It, uh, transforms into <laughs> this giant leaf woman character. And I want you to tell the listeners out there what you said she looked like. Uh, Mrs. Witch, is it? No, it's uh, Mrs. What's It. Mrs. What's It looks like an asparagus. <laughs> <laughs> Josie said she looked like a flying asparagus. I was over here dying. Also, during this happy medium scene, um, we, we talked specifically about how this scene is hitting a lot harder for us this time around um, and making a lot more sense in the grand scheme of the film. And you specifically had a comment that you made that I wanted to share with the listeners. Oh, I was realizing that I re I'm really enjoying this movie a lot more the second time around. The first time I didn't really see the beauty and the wonder in Mrs. What's it? Mm -hmm. turning into this flying asparagus i missed the the peace and the calm that i got in the happy medium where they're balancing and looking back over what the it is doing to um our planet so I, i'm really just enjoying it so far i like to add to um that I think we're both enjoying it more because we're kind of playing off each other as we're watching the film we um can comment on things and have conversations while we're watching the film because there was moments where you would ask a question and they yes. would either I would explain it or like they would explain it or you know um, and us being able to have that kind of dialogue is helpful too and it, that's kind of like the cool thing about watching films at home is that you can actually talk um, and you can gain, gain a better understanding of how things in the film connect and I'm definitely getting a lot more out of this this time around as well so at the end of the happy medium scene, uh, when they're getting ready to exit Zach Galifianakis', Zach Galifianakis character, um, his home, basically, um, we see Meg. It, that's really where I feel like she shifted as a character, right? She was this skeptical, like, I don't believe this. Until, and then now she has this hope because she's now kind of like traced her father's steps and fi figured out where he is and wants to go after and try and save him. And I think the moment that we really saw the shift in her is when she was hugging Zach Galifianakis. She hugged him on her own, which is the first time she showed anyone affection in the entire film to that point. Um, but then she... He didn't hug her back. She literally lifted his arms and forced him into a hug, uh, which I thought was really cool to show her shift in as a character and uh, how much she had grown and learned from this experience. 
All right, so we have officially reached the point where they are pretty deep in on Kamazots. Uh, they were in that forest scene and um, they had to get inside the log and Calvin trusted Meg and her her STEM science brain to get them over the wall to get to Charles Wallace. And once they get over the wall and they're kind of like cleaning themselves up, there's a moment where Calvin uh, comments Meg on her hair again and instead of deflecting like she did the first time uh, when he gave her hair in her comment earlier in the movie she says thank you and accepts it and she starts to compliment him back and talk about how nice it is that like um he decided to come on this trip with them and that he trusted her and stuff like that when he said something about her hair chelsea you did something with your hand i gave the black power fist I believe this is called. I'm holding my fist up in the black power motion. <laughs> She's doing it again, actually. <laughs> I felt so proud as a natural hair girl, seeing her rinsing her hair and putting it into a bun, and you could see her edges were super curly, and it's just like I felt black girl magic in that one small, simple scene yeah of Meg just putting her hair in a bun yeah <laughs> uh and then we also are now past the scene where uh Kamazots turns into this neighborhood of these kids with the bouncing balls and um i don't think i appreciated how fucking creepy those kids bouncing balls at the same in the same rhythm was and i also wonder and i didn't think about this the first time i watched the film either like why they decided to make the kids all like varying races and stuff like that i wonder if there was some kind of message in there i mean i don't know that they're showing diversity in all of like the no large number of people that they show on Kamazots, but um i just didn't know if that was relevant to anything and i'm curious i would be curious to ask ava duvernay that question so if i ever meet her <laughs> <laughs> fingers crossed right um and then also something that i said the first time and i've repeated again this time like millie from scandal was definitely the perfect choice to play the creepy ass mom who like tries to invite them into her house and the other thing i wanted to touch on here is that we are officially past the point where chelsea fell asleep yes last, the first time she saw the film so my only question to you now is how interested are you in continuing to watch now having this uh, second viewing through a different lens? I am very interested. Um, the creepy cold sex scene definitely threw me for a loop. So I'm excited to see where they go. And I want to know what the heck is going on and where the father is. Wasn't expecting it. <laughs> so like, oh, I'm laughing but like i'm laughing because of how we both just reacted to the scene we just watched um the scene we just watched is when meg finds her dad she finds dr murray which is uh chris pine's character and it's really ironic too because i want to say we're recording this on a thursday it was this past monday where we had like a chris pine conversation about how good of an actor he is and then we watch this scene now um and so if y'all remember at the beginning of this recording i talked specifically about a scene that didn't hit as hard as i felt like it could have and now that i'm looking at this film through a different lens and like the whole film is hitting harder and like i'm not coming in with these this disposition and these high expectations 
that I have for every other sci-fi movie and like what I expect out of those particular types of films in that genre. Um, and that scene hit so fucking hard. Like, indeed, we were both just like kind of silent for most of it. And Chelsea had her little side comments or whatever, like thinking out loud. And I had some as well, but like, that was just like a beautiful piece and of acting and scene of acting. Um, the performance and the playoff between Storm Reed and uh, Chris Pine and the way that she said dad and how she cried. Him. Like, you can't be here. How did you get here? They called out for us. We, we came for you. We're here to bring you home, Dad. Um, yeah, Chelsea, I'll let you throw some <laughs> no, comments in there, too. I'm actually tearing up, and I don't know why. <laughs> that scene was so powerful. Yeah. I have never seen an actress convey such 
true emotion it felt like that was a real reunion and it, it does not help that we literally cried the same not to like toot my own horn or something but i literally i stammer i take those like short soft breaths in yeah. between and, oh, don't want to tear up or cry so amazing <laughs> yeah yeah but that scene was absolutely really just uh, astounding and beautifully shot and just the picture cine- cinematography the colors yeah i can't say enough about like how real that scene felt and like how uh strong the emotion hit of like how she was feeling when she she saw her father and i think a big part of it is like i mentioned previously we were watching meg grow throughout this entire experience Mm. um and you know she became more hopeful and then now she's achieved this thing that she was looking for and that she that she, she really needed and uh it was a big payoff for her because you know she spent four years like wishing that her father had been there and now she, she really her, gave up hope yeah yeah she really had she really had she they talked about how she was not doing well in school when she used to be a model student and uh some of the teachers literally called her a mess which is unfortunate but you know uh charles wallace stood up to them we talked about that earlier as well mm-hmm. and um and yeah i think her progression throughout this film is just like it's very hopeful it's beautiful and um, I think, like, honestly, if, if it were up to me, they would show this film in, like, those, like, those homes for troubled kids or, like, home, yes. ho- homeless kids and stuff like that. I think this would be a great film to show in, in homes like that for that reason. And um, I think just watching Meg grow throughout this experience has been, like, really beautiful to sit here and appreciate it so much more, the second viewing. and Absolutely. Yeah. Seeing this all for the first time as this is the first time I've seen this part of the movie it has taken my breath away, honestly. Yeah. All right, so we just finished the movie. Woo. Round of applause for that. <laughs> I have no idea how that's gonna sound in the microphone. <laughs> I've never clapped into these, but uh, we'll see. Um, <clears throat> so just to kind of talk about the ending. Uh, so yeah, Meg catches up with her dad, and then she kind of has this moment where Charles Wallace is trying to drag her, Calvin, and uh, her father, Dr. Murray, and to see the it. Um, and Dr. Murray decides, like, I gotta get the fuck out of here, and we should get the fuck out of here, but Meg doesn't want to leave Charles Wallace. And um, so she ends up staying because her will to stay ended up landing her face to face with the it which had taken over charles wallace's body um and was using him as an instrument to basically attack her and so there was kind of like this uh fight scene between them essentially you better watch yourself or we'll do you what you did to her we don't care whose sister you are we're your only and we're starting to now want a feeling of very youth to action. No one in school likes you. Your father left you without so much as a goodbye. Every bad thing you think about yourself is true. And then after that, um, when she defeats the fight basically with love, um, or she defeats the it in the fight with love, um, they end up back home and she tessers back to earth on her own um she starts to tesser i should say 
and um earlier in the film oprah had this moment where she specifically talked about how if you the only way you're going to have a good tester which we talked about how she struggled with the testers the only way you're going to have a good tester is if you become one with yourself in the universe and that was basically talking about accepting her flaws and they talked uh, they had mentioned earlier how her flaws were a strength um and would help her in, in the fight against the it basically they had foreshadowed that um and I say all these things to basically say that like it, everything that happened in the film paid off during those last few scenes, like from when she finally saw her dad mm-hmm. all the way up until she got home and her dad saw her mom and like she had this moment with Charles Wallace and even Calvin had this moment where he said he had to go home and talk to his dad because like um we found out earlier in the film that calvin was like verbally abusive abused by his dad who like put a lot of pressure on him unnecessarily and um and yeah and so we had this moment with him where he decided that he was going to go pay with talk, talk to his dad and um so my whole thing about everything uh, what i'm trying to get a roundabout way of saying is that they did a lot of foreshadowing and character development earlier in the mm-hmm. film that paid off during the, those that last like string of scenes, um, really, really well and beautifully, beautifully done. And I think uh, one of the things I love about Ava DuVernay is she's a great storyteller, and I definitely did not appreciate how well she told this story the first time around when I saw the movie. Because again, I had my disposition of being a huge sci-fi fan and having these expectations uh, of what. I expect a sci-fi movie to be like. Uh, I also earlier mentioned that I felt like the movie was too focused on those underlying themes and messages, Mm -hmm. but I think it weaved it into the storytelling really, really well and played off of everything that was happening in the film. And it all paid off and came to heed at the end during those last few scenes, like I've said. And I take back what I said the first time after seeing it the first time and also what I said when we first started recording before we started the film. Um, I actually think that there was a lot of focus on the themes, but they played very, very well into the story and the moments paid off tremendously and with a lot of emotion towards the end of the film. And um, it all made sense. It was very cohesive progression and character development. And uh, I think I could keep going, but I'll let you chime in now, Chelsea, so I can shut up. I really enjoyed the movie much more than I initially did. Mind you, I did miss probably the last 45 minutes. Now that I'm rewatching it, there was so much that I missed. And I definitely had um, unrealistic expectations of the movie going in. I definitely think it's a must see for every child every teenager I mean even adults can get something out of it but I definitely don't think you should go into it looking for it to be this amazing sci-fi that's gonna blow your socks off and I don't know you have to be more imaginative with it and really put yourself in the position of being your younger self or maybe just have a childlike moment when you're watching the movie because I really can appreciate the messages of um, self-love and knowing your worth and seeing how you are uniquely you and what makes you uniquely you is what makes you special and things that you find that are faults are actually your greatest strengths and I think those are great messages for, for people of all ages 
Um, but definitely, definitely wish we could instill that more into the youth that just because you're not like everyone else doesn't mean that you're not perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Completely agree. If I even try to further that message, I would just be repeating what you said. Yeah. That was very beautifully well said. Um, I'm going to show you, I was taking some notes and there was some very specific comment and words that you use. So I want you to kind of touch on like how it surprised you. The film surprised you in this way. You remember when you were talking about this after the scene with her father, you were saying that um, it surprised you how uh, it surprised you how deep the film was. And then you also talked about how like there was a lot of uh, the themes were just kind of like these positive affirmations. um, And it surprised you like all of the sentiment that was in the film as well. I definitely did not. Well, I don't believe that I seen, well, I did not see the father scene in the beginning. It shocked me how, I guess, how much emotion there was in that scene. And I mean, even the following scenes when she's telling Charles Wallace how much she loves him, I did not realize how much, like, I don't know, maybe people need to hear how much they're loved more, but I really, that really resonated with me. Like, love is such an amazing, like, love can conquer anything. I'm not sure if that's what they were going for. Uh, but I really felt that, I don't know, it was just a really powerful message and a powerful theme. It's okay. If you understand just how weak light is, if you are willing to accept the fact that love is just a word, it's an empty, meaningless word. You can hurt me when I say I love you, but I'll love you anyway, and you love me. That's why he made milk for me on Stormy Nights. That's why you check in on me during recess. That's why you wanted to find Daddy to make me happy. That's why the missus took a chance on me. Because they felt your love. And you should love me because I deserve to be loved. Stupid, just stupid. I love you, Charles Wallace. I love you! Stop did not expect something so deep to come from a kids movie actually yeah i was moved by everything and i'm just gonna keep repeating myself yeah um and what's funny is i think that i haven't read any of the reviews because i don't tend to read reviews very often they're not very favorable yeah i know that it's it's not like a favorable movie among movie critics Mm -hmm. but that the kids love it so that's what's important right and they got the message um and they felt seen and represented by the film, which is what the whole point of it really was. And mm-hmm. I think she did that beautifully. And I think this is one of those films that will go down as like being very underrated and it'll yes. and it will outlive us. I really I really do believe that. 
I believe it's one of those movies where in maybe like five or ten years, people will look back on it and say, you know, we just didn't give it enough credit. Yeah, 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 for sure. I completely agree. Um, Just some additional notes. I have the movie and just like some overall stuff uh, as well since we're wrapping up here is the movie was visually stunning. Like it was just beautifully shot cinematography, the color. Um, even the action scenes and the special mm-hmm. effects were really good for the most part. So that was good. And I also like, I wanted to shout out specifically the that the Sade song was in the scene where she finally like finds her father um, and how dope that was that Sade, I don't want to say she came out of retirement, but like this was like the first song she put out in years and she did it for this movie for Ava DuVernay, which I thought was really cool. And like the placement of that song in the film was like yes. perfect. And also the lyrics, uh, again, were something that played off. Because that's the thing. Like, there's a lot of sayings that gets repeated, and they, they make callbacks to it and make connections yes, to the character's development uh, in the film, whether it was about Charles Wallace or about Meg. And some of it was about Calvin as well. Um, they did a really good job of having some callbacks and making it all connect and a really get, great culmination and character development all up to those big moments and payoffs at the end of the film. Yeah. And then the last like kind of note I had is that um, something that we both thought was kind of funny. Uh, Calvin sounded like a high ass hipster the entire movie. Just his he had delivery. the munchies. Yeah. Like... <laughs> he wasn't sure what was going on. He was very confused. Yeah. Yeah. Just that that actor's delivery was uh very funny and uh interesting to us and we thought that like he just sounded high but he also just sounded sincere he sounded kind of like a kid right like and that's kind of like how a kid from in his situation who's trying to overcompensate for the things that he deals with at home that's how a kid like that might actually act in real life so i think that's kind of cool aspect of the character oh Um, i remember one thing yeah um the it looked like the inside of the mind yeah yeah the inside of your brain yeah yeah it looked like uh synopsis firing yes yeah yeah uh that's what we noticed and i didn't notice that the first time around when i watched the film but like this time i'm like actually looking in the background instead of being focused on meg and charles wallace during mm-hmm. that fight um and i noticed that it looks like synopsis firing and that's a really cool visual effect in, uh that they did especially since charles wallace had the line the line of this is the darkest mind in the universe exactly. you know exactly all right, so I'll ask you a couple questions and then okay. we'll we'll wrap this thing on up. Sounds good. So, uh, favorite character from the movie? Meg. Yeah. <laughs> Hands down. Yeah. Why is that? If I was 12 years old, I would look most like Meg. <laughs> and Facts. We share a lot of similar traits where we're coming into our uniqueness yeah. and figuring out I guess where we fit in the world and how what role we play. Yeah. Cool. Um, I would go with Charles Wallace. I love Meg too, but I really like Charles Wallace's progression throughout the film and like how he went from zero to a hundred real quick when the it took him over and like he just became this like dark figure who was previously this like very positive and uplifting kid who, but even through all of that, they were able to play in like how much of a genius this kid really was yes. um, and how important he was to the it and then also the misses. Um, and also to Meg and their family in general. Um, mm-hmm. And also it's just cool that like he was an, an adopted character and that like yes. decided to put all this effort into this family that, um, you know, had raised him. And, and I, I get the vibe that when people are adopted, like you definitely feel that love for the people who, who adopted you. Um, Most definitely. Yeah. Because it's like, well, you don't know where you would be without them. So you definitely have this appreciation for your family and your situation. Yeah, for sure.
And then what was your favorite moment from the film? My favorite moment, it's a toss-up between meeting her dad and her breaking the it's control over Charles Wallace by telling her she loves him. I cannot choose between the two. Yeah. um, So I am in a very similar spot. I I really like the scene where she reunites with her dad Mm -hmm. but i also like when she tessers back to earth for the last time Mm -hmm. and they show her like seeing this having these beautiful visuals that she's seeing while she tessers because earlier in the film they talked about how like you're not going to see anything great while you tesser like you're just you're not going to see anything at all Mm -hmm. while you tesser until you become one with yourself in the universe and they clearly built up this character and her progression to she reached that point and reached that goal and pinnacle in her life where she started to she regained hope and belief in herself and um and self-love as well um i think they they visually showed us that just with that particular scene and having that call back earlier in the scene with the glitter coming from her eyeball yeah (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so chelsea do you have any last words for the people out there if you did not like the movie the first time around, please watch it again. Yes. You will get so much more out of it. And if you can watch it with someone else, I would highly recommend that sure. you enjoy the film a second or even a third time. For sure. And definitely take all of your hoity-toity adult expectations out of it and just let yourself kind of fall back into this childlike place and appreciate it for that. That's a word right there. I cannot even, I couldn't close, close it out better myself. So we will end our talk about a wrinkle in time right there. If you enjoyed the show, please like, subscribe, follow. We are now available on fucking basically every platform, Google Podcasts, mm. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all that good stuff. Uh, wherever you're listening, just make sure you rate like subscribe follow and if you would like to reach out to me make a suggestion on a film for me to watch and discuss on the show or a tv series as well then make sure you hit me up on the social meds you can catch me on uh instagram and twitter at heart sleeved lb and yeah so i'll definitely take suggestions or any feedback about the show please make sure you spread the word when you tweet about the show make sure that you tag me and then that you also use the hashtag whiskey W-I-M, that stands for what I miss, hashtag whiskey, W-I-M, um, and then also use the hashtag pods in color. Uh, that's how you can help other people find the show um, because that is a now listening hashtag where people look at podcasts that other people are sharing uh, specifically by creators of color. Um, and I have been your host, LB. Chelsea, thank you so much for joining me. You're I, very welcome. I really welcome. enjoyed this conversation, and I definitely picked the right person to have it with. Um, and for all you out there, thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.